Over the past few months, some of you will have followed on social media the astonishing journeys that Max Blinkhorn has taken, travelling by rail across Europe, starting initially in North Africa and ending in Turkey. And then he heard about the scheme introduced by the German government, which gave him a month-long rail pass covering most of German railways for just €9. Euros. Another local rail enthusiast, well, he works in the rail industry, is Lawrence Marshall, who spent time in Germany earlier this year, and also heard about this scheme then, which was enough to tempt him back. I brought them both together to learn more. It's something the German government has come up as a, a wheeze to get people back out and travelling, and you get, for €9, Euros, no matter where you're from in the world, you get a month's travel on any of the regional trains and the local buses in Germany. It doesn't apply to the express trains, so though. You have to pay a supplement or maybe even, I don't, I'm not sure, Lawrence will know more about this, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if, if you have to pay a whole separate ticket for that, but certainly it was all the local and regional trains and it worked for me. Works on the buses as well and some, some of these fancy little odd railways as well, you know. Lawrence Marshall, you have also taken advantage of this. So I went in August, near the beginning of August for a week. The trains were quite busy sometimes, but not always so. I mean, I work on the railways, as some people might know, and I, I can travel on Deutsche Bahn for free on various days in the year with my free passes, but not on all the other operators, of which there's almost 100, I think, in Germany. Mm. So this allowed me to travel on all operators, and that was really good. So it sounds like you really took advantage of this to travel quite widely. I headed south, looked at the Bauhaus and Dessau and, and Munich, and then down to Lake Constance, Lindau, and then up through kind of Frankfurt and Paderborn, and then back to Berlin. So I did a kind of circuit around the south, and, and looked quite a lot of different operators, including the Belio, we used to run <laughs> ScotRail, yeah. Nas- National Express, that. and the Cologne area. And, and I was really quite impressed. I, I think one of the things that struck me, you know, after a long campaign for Portobello Station and one of the things that really struck me was a place like Stirling, for instance, quite a small town in comparison to some big cities, but it would have about three stations where it in Germany. And that was one of the advantages of having to use regional trains. You saw just how many stations there were. Every five minutes the train was stopping. And there's no great appetite sometimes, I think, in government to bring back these local trains. Sometimes yeah, yeah. sometimes I think the Scottish government would rather we just had four or five stations in Scotland and you could zip between Aberdeen and Glasgow <laughs> and Edinburgh and Inverness, but not serving local communities. Uh, and I think in Germany, the thing I learned from the travelling on regional trains was that they, they have both the intercity expresses, which you'd have to have a separate ticket for, actually, wasn't included in the nine euro ticket, but they've got lots and lots of local stops in towns as well as in the countryside. Max, you took advantage of that, didn't you? But you actually found in some cases that the trains were really very crowded indeed. I'd done a long, much longer trip from, would you believe, from Marrakesh to Istanbul and then back to Edinburgh earlier in the year, and I'd whizzed round everywhere, so I missed out Germany. So I decided I'd spend a bit of time in Berlin and a couple of other places. So I didn't uh, sort of travel as intensively as I did before or, or as Lawrence did, but on the journeys I did make, in one particular one on a long-distance trip to Nuremberg, I ended up standing up for three hours. That wasn't good, especially with, uh, with, <laughs> with my old bones. That was difficult, but at the same time, 
you could tell that everybody on board was fairly acceptant of the crowding because they were getting it for nine euros. So, you know, what's, what's not to like? You know, I can stand up for three hours if needs be, you know, but uh, <laughs> the regional trains stop off virtually everywhere. And you get an insight into a country when you're not driving and you can see what each town is like and the different situations. And you also get a feel for the topology of the country on these trains. So, so I found it a, a really enlightening sort of trip. It was really enjoyable. Were there any problems getting across there because of Brexit? If anything, there was a problem getting back into the country. We ended up landing in Edinburgh at 12.30 and and didn't get through the passport check until about uh, three o'clock. About four planes arrived at once late, so I guess that they may not have had enough staff on it, but uh, getting back into the UK was was a harder thing. Lawrence, is this going to be, do you think, a a long-term thing that the Germans are doing? And do you think it is something that perhaps could be done in this country as well. The example that's just been set for three months, June, July and August, has made people think, what do we do in the future? Because the, the, the nine euro ticket for a month, when I was in Germany in May and, and couldn't use Deutsche Bahn trains, it cost 42 euros for a day, the same ticket. So they had given it for nine euros for the month. Mm-hmm. They're talking about pricing it now between maybe 49 euros and 69 euros for the month, which would still be a fantastic bargain. The German government certainly is looking to try and replicate it, but the the cost was 2.5 billion euros for three months, and it cost the British government 10 billion euros to give extra support to the railways in Britain for a year during COVID. So it actually was about the same price as, as the British government had paid for supporting just quite reduced travel during the, during the COVID period. So I would say it was quite a good experiment. But I, My feeling is that rail travel in this country has not really recovered in the same way. I think commuting traffic is, is down. But LNER, for instance, are, are carrying more than 100% of leisure traffic than they had pre-COVID. So they've bounced back, LNER. They've done a lot of good publicity. If you work at Wave like I do, the, the station looks pretty busy at times. Thousands of people coming through the gates every hour. I think though that all of this is part of uh, a rail renaissance that's going on. I mean what, what I've been impressed about is the fact that there are these private companies that are now being allowed to run in slots and timetable slots with their own rolling stock and they're buying new kit and one of the really good um, uh, innovative things is uh, sleeper services are expanding and they were limited in their expansion originally because they didn't have enough rolling stock but that's now being built. So in general, across the world almost, if you really want to look at it, railways are really coming back and becoming more important in terms of our general transport. The Borders Railway has been a complete eye-opener for a lot of people. I hope that Britain will get onto it. And you'll know more about this than me, Lawrence. You can find the same train in the UK over in France and things like that, the same actual locomotive. There aren't too many manufacturers any yeah, longer. Yeah. So Stadler, for instance, in Switzerland, provide trains for... Germany, the hydrogen train, I think, was a Stadler train. East Anglia, they've got Stadler trains. So there are pretty much a few companies now that that make the rolling stock. Obviously, Britain has slightly narrower trains and not as high as the, even though the tracks are the same, the rails are the Ah, same distance apart. InnoTrans is about the world's biggest railway exhibition, starts in Berlin this weekend. And I remember once going there and seeing Swiss new trains against a new train for Southwest trains. And, yeah, and, yeah. and, and you can see then the, the two trains together, you can see the, the difference in scale yeah, of the yeah, trains. Yeah, yeah. But Britain has lots of new trains. I mean, Britain has a very young train fleet now on yes. the whole. 
and I think better looked after perhaps than some of the oh, German trains. They looked okay, but some of them look a bit sad on the outside, they're kind of sun-washed, you know. So I think Britain's not too bad a place for railways, actually, yeah. A question to both of you. When we, you did actually raise earlier on, Lawrence, was the question of whether we will ever actually get a railway station here in, in Joppa or Portobello. Forty years of campaigning on railways has made me somewhat jaundiced. <laughs> I mean, you do other things with your life than just campaign, of course, but, uh, which is just as well. I think eventually it probably will happen. Whether I'll see it, I don't know. It'd have to be extra capacity on the tracks a little bit to make it more reliable. And f- there used to be four tracks into Waverley from Abbey Hill, and the tunnels got singled back in the 70s and the 80s, and they could be redoubled. There used to be the Abbey Hill Loop Line round the back of Meadowbank Stadium. The tracks at Craig and Tinney Depot where there's two, where the road goes up, where the bus goes over the road at the top of Craig and Tinney Avenue. They slewed the East Coast Main Line northwards, but the southern track bed is still there, disused. You can still see the small tunnel, if you like, there as you go out. So all these things to add track capacity or bring back what was there would allow more trains to run. But that's going to be expensive, isn't it? It is, but on the other hand, you know, if the Scottish government's got a target of reducing car kilometres by something like 30% by 2035 or something, I can't remember, but it's a fairly ambitious target. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if you're going to do that, then I think buses won't alone be able to do that in a city that's congested like Edinburgh. So I do think we need some kind of yeah. rail-based system to get away from the... And also you don't, of course, have the disruption costs of of building on the street like the tram has caused over these last (laughs) decade or more if you try and utilise old railway track beds or railway lines that are already there such as the South Suburban around Morningside Way. I think just finally people will really enjoy it if they get out there on the trains and move away from the standard sort of sun and sangria format of holiday. (laughs) I don't know about you Lawrence but I had a wonderful trip earlier on in the year and just met lots of friendship and and helpfulness out there and the trains in Spain and Switzerland and, and places like that are just wonderful to ride on. They're just great to be on and they let you see the scenery in a way mm. that, that you don't normally and uh, I felt like a traveller rather than a holidaymaker, you know, and that, that was a really real eye-opener for me. I've spent 40 years travelling <laughs> on trains in Europe, crisscrossing Europe many times from the far north and to Gibraltar and right to eastern Turkey. I've really enjoyed train travel and you get to meet lots of people and you get to see all the different types of scenery, you know, fantastic Switzerland and Norway yeah, yeah. for scenery and, and the Balkans have recovered from the wars there to revive some of the railways. So that's a pretty scenic part of the world creation coast. Just for clarity, with the nine euro ticket, you buy it in Germany? No, no, you buy no. it here? You buy it here. They've got a fantastic app. Deutsche the, Bahn the, the, Navigator, the, 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 is it? DB Navigator. Yeah. It gives you... You can actually put in Brunston to Sarajevo and it will bring up the, the train and tell you there's no first class on the train up to Waverley. <laughs> it's a fantastic resource is the DB Navigator app. Yeah. And you add your ticket to that app and flash it like you do when you're on a, doing a boarding pass on a flight. So... The ticket inspector, I only came across a ticket inspector once. They don't in, need uh, to check because yeah. it's, it's only nine euros. Why, why yeah, would you yeah, fare yeah, dodge? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> the other thing this year, it's standing at Waverley, is just the, the sheer amount of people with interrail and Eurail passes and Britrail passes. Yeah, yeah. And Britain is a great place for interrail because you don't have supplements, you can travel on the fast trains, you don't need to reserve. But there's been huge <laughs> numbers of people interrail and and Uriel folk coming through Waverley this year. I've never known as many.
So, if you want to travel from Brunston Station in Joppa all the way to Berlin by rail next summer, the link to that DB Navigator can be found in the description, especially since it looks like the German government will be making another special offer in 23. Next week, the podcast will be posted a little later in the day than usual, because I'll be travelling a little way out of our usual area to find out what's happening in the Willowbray and Northfield Environment Fair, which is taking place that day. Kind of reminds me, rather, of the bike fest held in Portobello this summer. A reminder that if you know of anything happening locally, or of any people doing interesting things, then you can contact us through social media. And thanks to Una for doing just that this past week to let me know about a new collection of traditional Scottish flute and penny whistle music, more usually associated with Ireland, which is produced by the locally based organiser of something called Flutefling Scotland. Alternatively, you can email the podcast at gmail.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.